0: Hello, everyone, and glad you could join us. I'm your co-host, Rose Schooler, here with my fellow traveler and friend, Dana Boss. This podcast, Lead Up, focuses on the intersection of leadership and management with real life. Managing a team and leading a group can be super lonely and really demanding at times, and we see you and we celebrate you. So come hang by the virtual water cooler with two very different perspectives on this topic. Mine, a 30-year career at Intel, ending as a corporate VP, and Dana with a long career in management and leadership development in many different industries. So welcome to Lead Up, and thank you for joining us. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Episode 10 of Season 1 of Lead Up the Podcast. Now, we know that many of our favorite TV shows have cliffhangers. We've seen some exciting series finales like we just saw on Succession. Well, we're here to tell you that this is not the series finale, but it is the wrap-up episode of season one of Lead Up the Podcast with Dana Boss and Rose Schooler.
1: And any of you who've been listening to us from the beginning know that the whole reason we started this is because we both passionately believe that you can set high standards in your workplace, whatever kind of work it may be, whatever kind of size organization or sector you're in, you can create a positive environment and still achieve just solid results and amazing things. And by positive, we mean you can have an environment of decency and respect and all that fun stuff and still kick butt. With your business. And also that would encourage employees to stick around and retention is key these days. So that's why we started this, Rose, right? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: what we thought we would do for this wrap-up session is, as you remember, if you've been listening, we often do some hot takes. We often do some ties to leadership and management moments in some of the latest current events and news. So we're just going to review some of those hot takes. We're going to do some updates on those current events. We're going to put it in the frame of leadership and management. And we're going to start with that right now. So Dana, as we reflect back on our first season of the pod, episode one really focused on leadership and management, a super fun phrase that you coined that had a lot of intentionality behind the transition of those two first letters across those words. And maybe you can just summarize what that big learning was in leadership and management.
1: The whole reason we chose this as our first topic was because I have just found, having focused on leadership and management for most of my career, that it's leadership that's celebrated and not management. And yet they are both fundamental to succeeding in your business or your organization or your venture. That's it, Rose, is that if you really want to succeed and enable your staff's ability to deliver, you got to think about both management behaviors, that's just kind of like that day-to-day support, day-to-day managing of the work, as well as the leadership, like setting a vision and strategy and so on. What do you think? For me personally,
0: that first episode, just really solidified the intersectionality between those two words. And I had spent the biggest part of my recent career leading. And I didn't really think about the management aspects, though I, you know, you know you have to follow and track and deliver on the operational elements of the job as well, but just being very specific around you have to manage and you have to lead. I think was a super insightful moment for me personally.
1: We've seen in current events a lot of organizational leaders who, from what we can tell, weren't paying a lot of attention about managing the organization. Sam Bankman fried being one of them. So it's not just about leadership, even though that seems to be the thing that's always celebrated. That said, it's a different mix depending on your level in the organization and your role in the organization. You mentioned that you had to start really emphasizing your leadership muscles as you, in the past number of years, when you were literally general manager of a multi-million dollar business. Whereas... People who are more earlier in their careers might be focusing more on the management side of the job, but I'm passionate that there's leadership at all levels, just like there should be management at all levels.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And then we flipped over into episode two, where we used the Super Bowl as the framework for our personal moments of learning around leadership and management. And we focused on Jalen Hurts. And and I think as the story continued most recently,
1: the man got paid. The man got paid. And quickly, let's just refresh for those who aren't football fans. This was the QB of the losing team of the Super Bowl who came out and just his post-game conference was a really wonderful example of leadership. And as Rose just said, he got paid. Tell us, Rose. Well, yeah.
0: Just to kind of continue on your thread before we throw the payoff out there, we'll leave people on the edge of their seat for a second if you haven't been following the story. There were some really key learnings out of that. For me, it was in his press conference, he illustrated his growth mindset, his need to be a lifelong learner, in particular for his craft. He was always looking to improve. He was a team player. We hit another quick little aside on the decision making of the referees, Mm -hmm. but I think you had some hot takes as
1: well. I appreciated Jalen Hurts and his post game conference celebrating the achievements of the team over the course of the season and also celebrating their effort in the game, even though they didn't win it. It is just, it's so common, certainly in US work culture, to just not take a beat to celebrate progress. Or wins, or celebrate like, hey, we might have lost this one, but we won most of them. You know those kinds of things. So I just thought I really appreciated that he took that time.
0: So now let's get to the punchline. The man got paid. I, I guess it's been about a six weeks ago now. Five year contract extension, inclusive of incentives worth two hundred and fifty five million dollars.
1: So there you go, folks.
0: There you go, folks. And you know that it's because number one, he's an amazing quarterback. I mean, he can run, he can throw, you can see what a difference maker he is in the game. If he did all of that and couldn't lead his team and couldn't manage the team on the field, he wouldn't be getting that kind of payout. So I thought it was a great headline on the attributes of the expertise as well as the leadership and management skills.
1: What People are looking for in the people who work for them or who represent their organization. They're not just looking for competence. They're looking for character. And he so clearly has both. I'm very happy to hear he got such a great contract.
0: Yeah, and then we jumped over to episode three where we talked about crisis management, not kind of crisis management, crisis, serious crisis management and the leadership and management that was required in a very specific situation that happened just prior to the Super Bowl. And that was the very traumatic, frightening hit on DeMar Hamlin where that crisis management was required to save his life. There's no other way to phrase it, but to save his life. My first hot take was I never knew how much Dana Boss knew about some of the emergency response and the training that she had had in that space. So that was a giant learning for me. And then the very close tie to leadership for setting the expectation and management of setting the plan. How
1: about you, Dana? I don't have a ton more to say on this, except that risk management is called management for a reason. It's not called risk leadership, (laughs) although there obviously is an element. When the stakes are high, a leader saying, here's our vision, make sure either these things don't happen or make sure these do happen. That alone is not going to do it. You need a really tight management so that you are prepared for when things happen or you can be proactive to prevent things from happening. And that's about managing the situation. It's not about just some grand vision. And there's good news about tomorrow, correct? Yeah, so
0: I think there's a couple exciting things. One, he was cleared to play. So to close that story, he was carted off the field, spent a lot of time in the hospital, but just recently was cleared to play and is living his best life, as was indicated by his social media posts showing up at Michael Rubin's white party in the Hamptons over the 4th of July. So not only is he, he didn't just survive, He's surviving and he's thriving. Absolutely. So let's jump ahead to our learnings in the very fun episode of Mr. Musk Goes to Twitter. So how about some hot takes out of that one from you, Dana?
1: When times are challenging, you have to decide what you stand for. And that means if you have to make tough decisions, how are you going to do it? And are you going to prioritize the recipients Dignity and needs. All of you can go back and listen to how we kind of broke that down in terms of Elon Musk and his actions within Twitter. I'm a firm believer, and I, and it's not just a believer. I've seen this done, that you can do difficult things like layoffs or return to work, which is a big deal right now. Obviously, people aren't going to be happy about A lot of people clearly aren't happy about being told to work back in the office three days a week. While you know you can't necessarily make everyone happy, you still can do it in a way that respects the dignity um, and have empathy for the employees impacted.
0: From my perspective, I absolutely saw the lens from the point of someone that just bought a company that was spiraling financially very quickly downward. I noted a couple things, which was one, it's not just about making the difficult decisions, which he had to make for the good of the company, but it's also creating a point of light that inspires those left behind to put the the sweat and the tears that are going to be required to turn the company around. Just last comment is you can make those difficult decisions as a requ- as required by a CEO with difficult financial future. And you don't have to be callous about it. You don't have to send out memes on Twitter you can show everyone dignity and respect. And I think we hit that home. And that, then from an update in that perspective, we also noted in that episode that their advertising revenue was spiraling downward as people pulled their money off the platform. And now he's hired Linda Yacarino to come in, a Penn State alum, I may add, <laughs> to try and turn around that kind of downward trend of the advertising revenue in dollars as they're also trying to add the pay for the blue checkmark revenue stream. I'm not sure how well that's going. We'll wait and see on that outcome. So then episode five, we hit vulnerability and kindness. Any input on that one? Maybe take a trip down memory road and give us
1: some learnings, Dana. Well, I think it's important that this was in direct response from a question we got from one of our listeners. Is showing vulnerability and kindness a sign of weakness? And again, In a word, no, it is not. Um, Now, we broke down in our episode how to think about that in a nuanced way.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great example. Even,
1: Rose, if you just tie back to Jalen Hurts, in that post-game press conference, which anyone can Google and watch, he was absolutely being vulnerable. He was not pretending like he wasn't disappointed with the outcome. And he was also being quite kind towards his teammates, celebrating them, not dissing them because they lost. He was kind to this young boy who somehow got an opportunity to ask him a question. And if anything, you respected him more and you felt he was a stronger person and talent than I had certainly understood before. And also getting back to just employee retention, Rose, that is such a concern right now in so many sectors. And this practice of being willing to be vulnerable, always being kind is so key to creating the workplace where people actually want to stick around.
0: And I think we talked about a couple different audiences, your personal employees, your peers, and then your personal leadership, the people that you work for. And we talked about some different approaches for different audiences. But at the end of the day, whether it's your peer group, your employees that you're leading, or the team that you work for, do you not want to create and be in an environment where either you or your employees or your peers can thrive versus just survive. And for me, that was the big punchline. I want to work in, work with, and I want people who work for me to thrive, not just survive. And then I think the next, a really interesting follow-on to that was another way to create that great environment, which is creating the foundation of psychological safety. And I'm going to throw a little question at you on this one, Dana, because I know that we got a question after this episode where you told the story about how you reacted to an employee that told you that they were somewhat bored, not feeling challenged. And I think you quoted, quote unquote, said it wasn't your best moment. No, it wasn't. And you talked a lot about the story of how you felt. My question to you is, and what the listener wanted to know, is what should you have done in that moment. Right, right. We know how you responded. Yeah, we know how I responded, which wasn't great. And then if you didn't listen to the episode, go back and check out episode six on psychological safety. You'll hear the story. But tell our listeners what you should have done.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what I wish I'd done. There's multiple ways to respond to something like this. There's never just one right way. But here's what I wish I'd done. So this is a top performer. I couldn't ask for better. I would clone her and bring her with me wherever I worked. And she'd been on the job a year, just completely hitting the ball out of the park. And she said to me in a one-on-one that she was starting to feel bored on the job. And I just didn't respond great. I was very impatient. And you guys can hear the rest on the episode. Here's though what I wish I'd done. I wish instead of getting annoyed and frustrated, that I just said, tell me more what you mean by that. Help me understand what parts are boring, what parts are still interesting. I mean, it would have been so simple to just be like, oh, all right, so tell me more about what's going on. And then after listening and letting her talk, the key follow-up would have been another question. Well, what do you think would make your job more interesting? (laughs) And I mean, it kills me that I didn't do that. I mean, I was younger, but still, to answer that listener's question, that is what I wish I had done rather than acting impatient and making her feel small for saying she was bored on the job after a year. A psychologically safe environment is where people can bring up difficult topics and not worry that they're gonna get their head cut off. I do think my response made it less likely she would bring up concerns to me in the future about her job. And that works against me, right? If she didn't resign, but I wouldn't have blamed her if a month later, she was like, I found another job because it's interesting and you clearly don't care that I'm bored, you know? That you've got to make it safe for people to share what's on their mind, even if it's something you're not in the mood to hear.
0: Well, and at the end of the day, we want people committed, not compliant to the work, Uh, We want them to bring input to the table because more voices with more input create better outcomes. And I think that's the big win for a psychologically safe environment. And that was my personal hot take. And I'm glad you had the opportunity to swing back and answer that listener's question in our wrap-up session. Okay, we're getting down to the home stretch here. So we did episode seven on communications where we talked about, some critical attributes of effective internal communications, whether it was consistency, predictability, storytelling, simplicity. And I think we had some interesting hot takes here as well. So why don't you kick off that part of the
1: recap on the communications episode? It is required um, to help your organization be effective and you need to be intentional. So I think One small practice that can really help is just saying to yourself towards the end of the week, who needs to know about what I've been doing this week or what I learned this week or something that went on in the organization that people might be curious about? And just creating that practice for yourself so that you can then think about, well, then I will intentionally communicate that at my next staff meeting or whatever it may be. So I think that was one, was sort of acknowledge that it can be tiring to feel like you're saying the same thing over and over again. A later person we spoke to on the pod, Tara Smith, had this great point. When you get to the point where you're sick of saying it is probably when it's first starting to sink in. And so what are your habits that are going to help you be consistent and clear and intentional?
0: Well, and Dana, I think we have a very prevalent current event right now that's requiring a lot of internal communications. that in many cases it's leaking into external communications as well. And that's this whole hot topic on return to work. And we're not going to debate the topic. We'll maybe do that in season two of the pod uh, because it is a very hot topic right now. But at the end of the day, different leaders are going to have different approaches. Many big companies are asking people to come back to work now. I listened to a recent Kara Swisher podcast with Martha Stewart, and she's like, hey, we're a creative media company. I can't see a path to where you can do that remotely. My people have been and are coming into the office every day now. And I'm not saying that's the right answer. I'm not saying that's the wrong answer. We'll leave that for a later time. But at the end of the day, there is no inconsistency or question in her stance. Right. She is right. consistent. She's predictable. It is simple. Yes. And you don't have to like it, but the message is getting across. One of my hot takes was communicate, listen, and do. She's... Com- She listened. She made her decision. Now they're doing and they're operating in that environment. So I really enjoyed the communications discussion because it's a pretty broad topic. We narrowed it to internal. And I think there's a lot of current events that could absolutely learn from that. Dana, any
1: final comments on the comms episode? I've been meaning to tell you this since we filmed it, but I really loved that little phrase you had, make sure your say-do ratio is in the right thing. You say stuff, but then you've got to go do stuff related to what you say. And I just loved that little phrase. Make sure your say-do ratios in line.
0: Well, and I have to give credit with credit as due. I stole that one from my dear friend and executive vice president, Intel Sandra Rivera, that runs the data center business. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's super, that really super hard hit home. So I, I took it from her. So thank you, Sandra. And then episode eight... We mm-hmm. jumped over and did our first interview session with Meg and Mauricio, which was very fun. And I had some great hot takes, but maybe Dana, you would like to start. And what were your learnings from that episode?
1: Yeah. Well, it's just a reinforcement that no matter what kind of organization you're in, no matter what your mission is, whether it's a product development for profit business or whether it's an organization like Meg and Mauricio are from, which is, a mission oriented organization focused on helping refugees, it's the international Rescue committee. you know, management and leadership dynamics are just eternal and they and they're really not dependent on the sector you work in. And so I think there's just so much goodness from talking to people in in business sectors or organizations that aren't like yours to just learn from them what they're Leadership and management challenges are, they always have a ton of things in common. It was just so interesting to hear from the front lines of what Meg and Mauricio do and what their learnings were. And Meg had a comment that
0: absolutely just resonated with me. And she appreciated our episode on psychological safety and appreciated that putting that frame around the human network and getting everything on the table and had some good commentary there. But she said, we accompany each other in our successes. It just created a visual for me. I'm a big Pelotoner and there's a Kristen Derrickle is one of my favorite instructors. And she always talks about, you know, the bike has a leaderboard. And she said, I want you to flip that sideways and imagine everybody crossing the finish line together. And that was the visual that I had when Meg talked about we accompany each other in our successes. I love that hot take. And it was just a strong reminder of, you're not going to drive a successful organization by yourself. It takes everybody. Any final comments on that one, Dana, before? no, nope. no, nope.
1: I just thank them for their time. For well, sure. then
0: episode nine, we had done episode seven, which was, hey, internal comms. This is what we think are some of the critical attributes for effective communications. And then we also noted that, by the way, neither of us, our chief communication officers. Yeah, exactly. And we're not domain experts. So let's talk to the experts. So we brought in my dear friend and colleague, Tara Smith, to give her perspective on internal communications. And again, we maybe used some external communication examples as well. Um, but Dana, what was your hot take out of and learnings out of that episode?
1: Yeah, well, she just had a couple great. Simple ways of communicating her point. I loved her comment. If you're explaining your loose, that just crystallizes it. You've just got to be crisp and clear with your communications. I loved her point. It's a tough point, but it's look, if you're delivering a tough message, you're going to have a tough outcome, meaning there's going to be a group of people who are probably unhappy. And so just be prepared for that and resist the knee-jerk reaction to change the message or change the plan if the response isn't great. And I mean, obviously, there's judgment you would apply to that, but I don't think it's debatable. If it's a tough message, you're going to have a tough outcome, meaning certain people might not be happy. Those were both really helpful Insights for me, the way she captured those.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, if I combine the, if you're explaining, you're losing, there was one that I loved, which is patience and time give you consistency. So that was our summary. And Dana, I think you have some recommendations for our audience on some other tools, information that they can use while we're on
1: break. Yes, exactly. Those of you who dig this subject matter, we're going away until late January of next year. But I have two things that I would really recommend. One is the Freakonomics podcast has an episode called Why Are There So Many Bad Bosses? And it's great. So good listening there. And then it's funny, I get asked this all the time, what leadership books do you recommend? And I'm not a big business book, leadership book person. I just feel like so many of them are could say what they're going to say in 20 pages, but they've just got to somehow figure out how to make it 150 pages. But one book that is worth every single minute you spend reading it is called The Leadership Pipeline by Ram Sharon and a few others. He has a few co-authors. In this podcast, Rose, we're talking about practices and mindsets that apply no matter what level of management you're in. The Sharon book, The Leadership Pipeline, talks about the specific challenges of being a frontline manager, then a functional manager, then an executive manager. So I think that that's just a really, like he just takes it to the next level in terms of the, the specific challenges you might have in each one of those roles because they're different depending on the role. I love it. I love
0: it. So with that, yeah, I would like to take a moment to thank everyone. I want to thank our season one listeners and subscribers. We're up over 600 and some listens, which is unbelievable. I know. Go figure. Our interviewees, Megalis, Mauricio Rodriguez, and Tara Smith. And in season two, we will have more guests. Yes, we will. And thank you to everyone who sent in questions that led to some really interesting and great discussions. And, We will see you back for season two. We've had enough support. Yes. And great listener analytics that we will be back for season two. And another thank you is to Chris Burns, our sound engineer, who has spent a lot of time editing. Speaking of patience. (laughs) Yes, speaking of patience, I would like to thank Chris Burns as we built muscle in an area where we were learning a lot this year. So thank you, Chris, for your patience.
1: So thanks, everyone. This was a blast. Rose, thank you. This has been flipping fun. And uh, yeah, until next time, everyone. And thank you,
0: Dana. This started in a conversation that Dana and I had many years ago when Facebook told us we were both in Washington, D.C. at the same time. We had dinner and she said, you know, we should work together at some point. And here we are. So absolutely love it. Here we are. Thank you, everyone. And we will be back for season two.
1: All right, that's it. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. Odds are you don't have a lot of it. And we appreciate you listening in. And we'd love to hear from you. What are your questions or thoughts on the topic of management and leadership in real life? Send us an email. We will discuss your question or thought if you send it. And you can find our email on our podcast landing page. So until next time, cheers to all of you out there doing your best to deliver for your teams, your organizations, and yourselves.